Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus, where we are asking you to run away with us and join the circus. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, Pretty Ugly, as well as the Hotel series. Joining me today, as always, is my Vox Vomitus vixen, Alison Martine, author of The Bourbon Books, which includes dibs since September, Move on Melinda, and Climb the Salmon Ladder. Joining us today on our circus theme, I'm not sure if you can see my silly hat, or Allison, show your antlers. They're They're not antlers, they're antenna. Okay, show your antenna. Uh, (laughs) Kang Wong, author of The Circus Infident, which we'll get to this later. We are all agency siblings and or cousins. Depending so, on how you draw the lines in. Depending on like where the tree is. Uh, Kang, thank you very much for being with us. Tell us a little bit about your book and yourself. And why are we dressed like weird people? You tell us why we are. <laughs> um, well, hi, everybody. I'm Khan. And um, The Circus Infinite is my debut novel. Um, I've previously published some poetry a long time ago, um, but uh, The Circus Infinite is my, is my first book. Um, I uh, have a circus past, um, which I drew, drew on for, although it's really more circus adjacent, but we can get into that. Circus adjacent. Um, I'm shooter adjacent, you're circus adjacent. <laughs> um, which I drew on for this book. Um, I, my day job career was largely in the nonprofit arts, but I am now retired from that, which is weird to say, because um, I don't feel like a retired person. <laughs> um, it strike me as terribly retired because I feel like we're about the same age. So I'm like, I was like, oh, I, well, I, I did. I was able to. Um, I, I was lucky enough to fall into a civil service position. Nice. Like, I retired at 27. I crossed. The, well, not quite that young. <laughs> but I crossed. We the can middle. say we are. Do you have a subscription to AARP magazine? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. But I mean, I it's a great it, magazine. I read I my mom. This time is is coming. Yeah. Mother's well, was telling me I get senior discounts on Tuesdays, and I wish they'd stop telling me that. I think it's anything over fifty. You can. It is. That's when I started getting. I, I got the. I started getting the mailings when I turned fifty. I like. Yeah. Thank you. So cool. Uh, and now I'm writing. Um, so uh, yeah, back to finishing up the intro. Now I'm uh, doing the full time writer thing. Um, I, I do want to clarify, not because. I got such a huge deal that I was able to like out and be a full-time writer. That's not, it, it, the timings happen to work out this way. So I was going to say you're living the dream and then you immediately crushed the dream. So I appreciate you keeping it real here. Like keeping it real. <laughs> this is what we do not because of that. You're like, this First is amazing, level. but also here's what's happened in between now and amazing. It's been crying, leaping into a bucket, you know, um, but awesome. Love it. The book is great. Thank you. Um, I want to, I love that you just said the words circus adjacent. Do you want me to 
elaborate? Uh, well, first <laughs> I want you to tell. Like, Jenna, are you going to tell us what you think that means? Or because I, I mean, always joke, I was I was theater adjacent, or I I was married to the theater, and then the theater divorced me. So it's like most of my knowledge is like secondhand from my ex husband, and I lived through a lot of that stuff, so I know it. But I've never really been a performer, just just enough that I know enough to be dangerous and kind of understand what's going on. But I have zero circus knowledge. Nothing. I like, have nothing. very minimal circus knowledge, but as people who have maybe watched or listened to the show before, they know that I did go to school for theater. I am a professional ballroom dancer, and I did have a burlesque and vaudeville troupe that I ran for many years. But before we get to circus adjacent, I want you to tell us a little bit about circus infinite so we start to understand why allison and i are dressed the way we are okay those of you who are watching the show it's like Um, do we need an excuse not really but there's reason this specifically well um as probably can be inferred from the title um the circus infinite is set largely at a circus um the story is about um uh, well, the, the elevator pitch is uh, a circus takes down a crime boss on the galaxy's infamous pleasure moon. And um, the, the protagonist is a young man who's on the run um, from a scientific institute that is studying his unusual abilities. And uh, he, he flees to um, the galaxy's pleasure moon which is basically Vegas in space. Right? Yeah, Port Ruby. I, I, I will not hide the yeah, fact. It's like it's a Vegas meets, I, I think, like it. a little bit of Bisa. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there he falls in with um, a resident circus and gets a job there and uh, proceeds to develop friendships and relationships um, in that world. And um, he eventually catches the eye of a crime boss, and um, drama ensues from there. A lot of drama. A lot of drama. Well, and I just want to clarify, because there's almost two kinds of sci-fi. There's sci-fi where it's like, there's this whole world out there, but it's mostly just humans. And then there's this kind of sci-fi where some of them look like this. I, I'm joking. I'm like, I'm a mantidean. I, this is not what you describe mantideans <laughs> looking like, but they are, they're kind of like a bug. So I'm like, this is as close as I got. And I'm, I'm not really wrapping toy story here for any particular reason. <laughs> I was texting like, Allison earlier. I'm like, do we, do your kids have any antlers or she was like, you can wear? You were, and she was you like, were trying to give me a, like a, Tin foil halo, and I'm like, I didn't no, want my that. kids have that when they're in choir, but that isn't ours. That goes back with the robe, so I don't have that here. I probably could have found it, like, or made one, and out of random stuff we have here. But this was a lot easier and was less likely to get stuck to my head permanently. It's I didn't want to get stuck. So you have you have people who look like this, and she was saying halo because some people have like a shimmer. I tried mm-hmm. to do shimmery makeup, but I don't oh, think so I. I try to be shimmery. Both of us are getting closer to the camera than we need to be. I know. Um, I will be just shimmery. say, people who are just listening to this and not seeing the audio, Allison and I both did really dramatic zoom-ins to our eye makeup. <laughs> I'm just kind of kind of. Is our eye makeup good? Not. No, who knows? No, it's not. I, I did not have, if I could have had my cosplay queens help me, I would have. But both of them, well, one of them is in Nottingham, so she's not helping me. And the other one is working today. So again, not helping me. Con, you're not you're not dressed like you're not purple or anything like that. You you no, are I'm not, not. I'm in my normal. I'm just, just like in, normal and we're just here trying to like 
embody your book in some way. I'm wearing a lot of glitter. I appreciate that. What is important? <laughs> like, thank you. But you talk about I the French. I, I've put on some weight, and I don't think I really fit into any of my old costumes anymore. So. Oh, so <laughs> this has been like the plight of COVID. I went from being like a professional, quote unquote, professional dancer and professional performer, and then most of my clothes were costumes, and then COVID hit, and you gain weight, and you try to figure out which costumes still fit. So I am wearing like a a very stretchy, glittery leotard. Stretchy's good. Stretchy is good. <laughs> but I was going to say, we've got the people who are from all sorts of, some of them are humanoids, some of them are not. And mm -hmm. so you've got some people who have normal, within them, normal powers or just abilities that are different. And then some people who, certain people within that manifest additional powers, including humans. I'm like, hey, we get special powers too. Score. Yeah. I usually don't get any powers. It probably wouldn't be me. <laughs> But then you were talking about relationships, and I love this because I know that it was recently nominated for an award featuring LGBTQ plus relationships or characters, and the main character, Jez, is ace, and there's a whole panoply shown in this. So I loved that, too, because it was like, hey, we've got people from all sorts of species showing all sorts of different relationships and interspecies, so that's how we get certain characters like Jez, who is a hybrid so he's human, and then his other half of him, Rigela, is that right, Rigela? Rigela, yeah. Rigela, yeah. And he's Rigel an is a real because Rigel's a real place. Right, like, Rigel's um, a real star. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, there is a star called Rigel. Um, yeah, but my I problem. Changed, I changed the spelling of it. Oh, okay. Because I listened, weird. so I don't know how it was spelled in this. But oh, I oh, Rigel, oh, that's right. And I know it was not meant to infer Farscape Muppet Rigel. Because yeah. I don't think Jez looked like the Farscape Muppet at all. Because he's like a little slug. And I, I pictured Jez as an attractive young man who did not resemble a slug. Is that probably accurate? He does not resemble a slug. Okay, good. good. I mean, in my brain, he didn't... Yeah. He, did. in my he would brain, not have been sexy like, that way. No, like, don't like that. Like, hottie. Like, like, he was hot to me. And maybe this is... I'm going to say something that is shaming for me, maybe. Um, because of Jess and Gilmore Girls, I legitimately thought of him as Milo Ventimiglia. Is that how you even <laughs> say his name? I did. He like from when Jez he was in Heroes. Jess? Yeah, but when he was in Heroes, like that right, kind okay. of yeah, that yeah. type where you're like, you're, you're hot. When he's one of the Petrellis. I forget if he's Peter Petrelli or there was another one. The other one's Adrian Pastar. I don't remember what the character's names are. I, I have IMDb up here, but it's missing a lot of pieces. <laughs> I did I watch the first season of Heroes, but I don't really remember. I like. I weirdly remember. I remembered the first season, and then I read the comic books, and I thought like that Nerd. character was really good. Um, but then when you said Jez, I was like Jez from Gilmore Girls. Sorry, that is. Just I was where hearing I the went. Z, so I don't think it's supposed to go there for you. No, I know, but it is where it went for me, <laughs> and I think it really works. Did you have an inspiration con for, for Jess or Jez? Um, it's Jess. Uh, the The audiobook narrator did pronounce it more like Jez. Yeah, with um, a Z. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is it's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, he, he Stefan did a phenomenal job, so I don't mean to be like dissing that work. Yeah, I think um, we we both listened to it, so yes, it was okay. great. <laughs> um, 
I'm sorry. What was the question? Yeah, <laughs> who, who is your inspiration for Jen? Inspiration because it it, it shouldn't it, have been Gilmore Girls. That was just where Jen went. Yeah, no, Jess, I'm hearing uh, Jess instead. Yeah, um, Jess was is nowhere near that level of at least at the, for most of the story. He was nowhere near that level of self assurance. That, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Gilmore Girls character had yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I so the inspiration I um. It's okay to say you. <laughs> well, it wasn't. It wasn't fully me. Um, like there's, there's a little bit of myself in of my own personality in each of the characters, um, and certainly the circus setting drew on um, experiences from a really significant and important part of my life. Um, but just the character is not really based on any um, on myself or really on any particular person that I knew. I just, um, I, I, I like knew I wanted to write um, an ace character and I knew that he was an empath. Um, and I knew that he would have some other kind of power. It's in the initial draft. Um, it was more like, telepath telekinesis stuff mm. and, uh, but then, and then the, the gravity thing came like pop came to me and i thought that that was more it had more weight and unusual but it was yes. also more unusual and it was more limiting because uh, it, as we see him use his powers it's not like he's like just moving stuff like he's got a tractor beam on it it's very limited in what he can do so it's like yeah you can go up and yeah you can come down but now what are you doing? You're up in the air. Now what? Have fun yeah. up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was, that was part of my want, rationale for changing it because I, I didn't want him to be totally OP. And I thought that there yes. were no limitations. Like I have um, to ask because I'm sorry to interrupt, but like yeah. before I forget, um, the gravity thing was so interesting to me as a non-science person. Like I went to a fine arts college. I've not taken science since I was like 14 years old. Uh, did you have to do a lot of research on like weirdly the physics of what mm. gravity can do? Um, kind of, sort of. I mean, I did do, so, <laughs> so I, I, I mean, I, yes, I did. I mean, I have an understanding of just like basic physics, but I have a friend who. Um, Me no, <laughs> and I'm like I don't. <laughs> I have a friend who is uh, a nuclear physicist, and he has a project. Um, he's a juggler, also. He's a juggler. I yeah, love that combination. He's, That's amazing. He's like one of the he's one of the most impressive people that I know. Um, and anyway, but he has this. He has a project called Juggling in Space, and where and he's actually done ex- computer modeling and also done like weightless flights and stuff, and, so has cool. wor- and has worked out like um, ways of moving in a weightless environment. So I had a long conversation with him, just picking his brain about, well, how would how. How could this work? How 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 would all this work? work? Yeah. Um, And so a lot of the stuff didn't quite fully make it into the book. Um, 
but uh, but, but it's you were coming from a very real place of uh, yeah. I try to make it as I mean, it's completely fantastical. Like the book is completely fantastical. I uh, it is science fiction. Yeah, you tell I, me there aren't really aliens, Con. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? More, you're bursting more of my dreams. There are no real aliens. <laughs> well, they are. I want. I want to shimmer. I want to get my shimmer. I think I've been waiting forty plus years, and I and just now you want can enter into a contract. <laughs> I love how that's like. What does it mean? You can enter into a contract now. Really? That's what it means? Are you sure it doesn't mean something about any kind of maturity? Nope, nope. Contracts like that. <laughs> and that's that's not what the humans do. That's I think Asuna yeah. are, are like that. Asuna, yeah, have the shimmer. Um, they can the that age of being able to enter into contracts can happen before they get the shimmer. Uh, the shimmer appearing really is more about an internal like emotional maturity. So anyway. Um, but so anyway, it's it's all very fantastical and space fantasy is kind of what I consider this book to be, yes. you know, um, yes. which I guess is a subgenre of sci-fi, my favorite subgenre. Well, but yeah, for the most part, it's not adhering to like the rules of real physics. But I did try to make the gravity stuff um, as realistic as it could be. Well, I will, places, oh, go ahead, John. I was to say the places where you did not stick with physics were less with the gravity and more with some of the things that some of the other species could do as far as manipulating the space time continuum. Because most of us don't know how to do that. So that probably doesn't adhere to real physics. But I love that you mentioned space fantasy because, I mean, we, we get into this about, well, what's science fiction and what's fantasy? And, and usually people just go, well, where is it set? And that's a bad delineation because space fantasy is a thing. And I, I love that this this would definitely fit there. I agree. So Jen, Jen, what did you, what were you going to oh, say? Um, my only thing, again, as a non-science person at all, and I would say to me, the gravity stuff actually kind of read very real. Like yeah. I was just like, oh, that makes sense of my very limited high school knowledge <laughs> of physics. And it never made me, in a good way, want to reach for my phone and go, that's not possible. <laughs> um, but everything else, space kind, time continuum, everything else, I was like, yep, fully will believe. But because you're talking about gravity and things like that, I think that's like concepts that even theater majors Understand. Understand a little bit. And we're snotty enough, or I'm snotty enough to like normally want to pick up my phone and look it up, but I didn't. So like, like really good job. Great. Felt really real. <laughs> Did you consult your friend, the nuclear, what, what, what is it? He's, he does he's the, a physicist, but he's also a juggler. And, and a juggler. Did you consult him for both things? Like, were you getting the juggling accurate? Like, did you run it by him going, is this a possible act? I mean, I don't think you described the juggling in enough detail that anybody could have been like, this seems like an inappropriate juggling move. <laughs> no, I, I, no describe. I only consulted him on the gravity stuff. Um, I mean, because I, so as part of my circus adjacent background, I did um, do contact juggling for a little bit. And I've certainly seen enough juggling acts. Like the crystal ball on uh -huh, your body? Yeah. That's, yeah. My husband does that. See, oh, awesome. I'm going to play yeah, with we, this, but I can't okay. do the David Bowie thing, but I can if I just hold on to it because it has spikes. So it makes it look like I'm doing <laughs> it's still attached to my hand. This is the level of coordination I have. I could never do that. But as a fan of the labyrinth and having seen the, the thing, I'm like, Roman can do that. So your friend can do that or you can do that. 
Yeah. I'm a little out of practice, but I had the basics down of that. Like I never I love it. It's it, like That's it so looks cool. I've you know, I've been in the house when it's happening for many years and every time I see it, I still go, That is magic. And he's like, It's not, it's just balance. And then the ball's like on his head, and I'm just like, Oh, how can you do it? Um I never and, got the head balances. So. Oh, um, <laughs> it, it terrifies me because as somebody who's just like, what if that crystal ball like smashes into your face and it breaks your cheek or your nose or something like, cheek. how are we going to pay the bills? I mean, like the, well, it's cause like some of these balls are. The, the crystal one, the acrylic ones that are, are heavy crystal are very heavy. Yeah. yeah. But there's other types of there's balls. Used too. Can you, I know like it's hard to be like. like a pizza dough ball, like you know, something a little softer. Well, that squishes your no, face. there are these things called stage balls that are made right. out of vinyl and they're kind of squishy. Um, well, some of them sometimes they're hard, like a shell, but they're hollow and they're light. And then there's a kind. There's some varieties that are like squishy. Um, I love that we're both like leaning. Uh, Allison and, and I are both leaning. And like, tell us about this. <laughs> and also the same kind of balls that like rhythmic gymnasts use you could practice those are the bigger ones right some yeah they're often bigger yeah um so those are all the different kinds of balls you can practice with but like so i have balls i do have one of those crystal ones i'm not i I was always afraid of like dropping it on my hardwood floor (laughs) of that you should be we have um a series of and i don't have i should have brought one with me a series of uh large crystal balls that are cracked and have chips out of them from um, practicing outside. And every time, so now like he has a nice stage crystal ball that's heavy and big. And I'm like, do not practice with that in the house. It's going to break our floor. It's going to, and then when it drops, like you can feel it through the house. You're just like, oh, that broke something. And it's going to be expensive. It's not good. So, Con, how did you get into all of this? Because I don't know where you originate, but most of us did not actually run away to the circus. And I'm assuming <laughs> you didn't either. How did that transition from, I'm assuming, a probably mundane life to circus adjacent? Well, uh, so it's I... A slippery slope. <laughs> <laughs> um, it it's all started when I worked my first Burning Man. Um, yeah. Have, and, 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 and this, like, I found myself a Burning Man is such a cliche at this point, but... For, for our generation, eh, yeah. might as well. Some people are like, what's a Burning Man? Can you tell us what Burning Man is? Because for the record, it has nothing to do with Wicker Man. First it, misconception it, it until someone not, explain it to me. No. So um, Burning Man is an annual art festival that happens in the Nevada desert. It originated the very, it started on a beach in San Francisco. And then I won't, I won't go through the whole history, um, but it started on a beach in San Francisco. And then eventually found a desert location and it's grown since then um and it's i will say i try to go to san francisco during burning man weekend because san francisco is supposed to be quote-unquote empty during burning man weekend um and it's never been empty (laughs) well i mean maybe it depends on where you go but like there was never like my i didn't during burning man week like i could go to like bars and cafes in my neighborhood and like it was the lines were not the same yes you're like no wait anyway anyway, um so i went to my first burning man um in 2004 and i and i had friends who had been going for a long time 
um, prior to that. So, and I had been around when they were making their preparations and their costumes and everything. So mm -hmm. I had some idea of what it would be like. Um, and I camped with an art car. And, uh, and so that was awesome. Uh, but even just in the first couple of days, I knew that I was going to go back. And I knew that when I went back, when I went again, that I wanted to be able to participate more meaningfully. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it so happens on the week so that leads up to Labor Day weekend. And on the Saturday night, um, you know, it's like, is when the big party is when they burn the titular the man. <laughs> And um, and there's this whole show that happens around the man before the man gets lit. Um, and as part of the thing that happens is in a big circle around the man are like hundreds of fire dancers. Um, and they and they do their fire stuff um, and then fireworks happen and then the man lights up and stuff and it's really cool. But so at that first one um, that I was at, I saw the fire dancers and I had been seeing them throughout the week, um, like people spinning things and stuff and just mm -hmm. like those But at that, at that first burn that I was at, um, when I saw the hundreds of them all around, I said, okay, next year I'm coming back and I'm gonna be one of those people. Yes. Um, and so, and I was indeed, and so I like, learned how to do it and indeed the next and hooked up with a group that um was accepted to be part of that circle there's a whole process to get into that um which i won't go into but um so indeed by the next year i i was one of the fire dancers and this big circle around that is so cool. and so that's how it that's how it all started was learning fire dancing um my first prop that i learned was poi um, and then, but then once I got into that world, um, I started seeing people do stuff with other props and that's how, and included. And so, so then shortly after doing Poi, I got into learning contact juggling, um, <clears throat> uh, which I mentioned before. And then I got into hoops and it was, and that like completely took over, like, and that completely took over everything, and hoop became my main prop. Are you in the hoop, or are you hula hooping, or a little bit of both? Both. Okay, because like Love I've it. seen the thing where the people are like, "What is it, the Ventruvia man?" And you're like, inside oh, "Oh, that! Oh, yeah, no, that's, no, no. That's, that's intense. That's like I, I just so I love like that intensity." Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Um, that, no, the that, first time I saw that, we were, I was screaming. What's it called? I was just like, wheel, and it's spelled C Y R. Um, because the, it's named after somebody, uh, a circus artist named, I believe his first name is Daniel Sear. So it was um, named after the performer. Okay. It's named after the person who originally, who originated that act. Because um, one of the things I absolutely loved about your book is, so just to clarify, so it's circus and space, but it's very much like a Cirque du Soleil kind of thing where it's all human acts or humanoid or mantidean, whatever. But but conscious people who are choosing to perform and show their gifts, there are no elephants or tigers or That's anything funny. like that. Because I, I remember being 
kind of scared of the circus as a kid because I was always told how mean they were to animals. And it wasn't until I was an adult and I couldn't kind of could see things like Cirque du Soleil where it's these beautiful humans performing these crazy acts. And I'm like, ooh, the circus is fun again. And so just for anybody who's like, I don't want to read a book about the circus. That sounds horrible. It's not Dumbo, sad, sad elephant mom. There's no tigers being abused. None There's of that. No it's, animals. It's people. And alien, yeah, being cool. Just, yeah, no, it's very it's much a cool. style. So one of my Goodreads reviews, I, I tend to, I try not to read. You still read your Goodreads reviews? In the beginning, I now don't really like get into them. And you have various, to for, for various reasons. Just block oh, them of, out. <laughs> but one of the Goodreads reviews that I did read um, said that sometimes it seemed like Cirque du Soleil fanfic. <laughs> which which reviewer probably meant to I I took it as they meant it to be a criticism, but I was like, yeah, fair. Okay, I was gonna, <laughs> I mean, like you just said yeah. that, and I was like, is that a bad thing? Because I, I didn't know that was a thing, but I would read it. I will tell you so fast. The thing about fanfic that people get down on is that. It's, it's supposed to imply lazy writing because you were taking pre-established settings and characters and then just putting your own little plot spin on it. You did not take any established characters. Therefore, yes, you took a setting that we kind of know and then you changed it up a bit and then you gave us completely original characters. So it can't be fanfic if we don't know what the characters are because they have to and have yeah, characters. I've seen Cirque du Soleil like nine times and it's now never been the was, same show. I've never seen was, the same character. Yeah. Now, when people say, um, what is it, the the love hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood, and they say that is fanfic. That is. that is fanfic because that's clearly Kylo and, and Ray, and I read it, and I still liked it. So people can say it's fanfic is a bad thing, but if it's a, a good rendition, fine. But yours doesn't qualify because it doesn't have characters that you're just, like, dropping them over here. Yeah, no, I think that the first one was being glib. But um, but also at the same time, I was like, well, that's cute. I mean, I'm not totally wrong, I guess, but yeah. And you know what? <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a better way to say it's like an, expl an exploration of Cirque du Soleil, but in space. Because it does pull a lot of those things, and that's fair. And it's like, yeah, you didn't invent the concept of a circus. No one said you did. So I have this new concept. It's a circus. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I loved that you did um, explore a lot, and I feel like, um, again, I've never been in the circus, but I've been circus adjacent as like burlesque or dance community or performance community for most of my life. Um, there's a found family in kind of every show I've ever done. And then especially when I had my burlesque and vaudeville troupe, we were a huge family and, you know, like really bonded with each other doing like the most ridiculous things and trying things with different acts and like, Hey, do you know how to draw a girl? No, but I'll learn. And just like always trying new things. And we became a family for so many years. Um, did you find that like personally, obviously when you were in like your circus adjacent life and, and what was it about that that made you say, this is what's going to take my book to the next level. Like it's not just space fantasy, it's found family. Um, well, so to be, to be honest with you for a second, um, when I was conceiving the, the book, um, I was more approaching it from a community. I was, the word that I had more in my head was community yeah. um, and community and arts as a driver of social and cultural change is kind of yes. a, right really a huge 
Yeah. My, um, and, you know, should I be lucky enough to publish future books? You will see that theme occur. Um, but, and so found family was more, um, it's like the, the popular marketing phrase that everybody. That's true. When, uh, it is, know. but I mean. But, but so I was, I was. But it's still a very like real concept. Like I hate oh, to yeah, say that. Sure. Like, like I'm an only child. So like all of my friends have always been found family. And especially when I was in a performing community. Yeah, well, for sure. Um, but so, but I was coming at it in, in the circus realm more from a, a community perspective, um, and the found family idea has played out more in my life. Has played out in my life more in the context of of queer community and mm-hmm. um, and and that world. Um, you know, like so many folks are disowned or rejected by mm-hmm. their actual blood relations um and the and the the queer community that they find when they're out in the world you know becomes becomes their family Um, yeah and so that's like i i i so so that's kind of where the found family aspect um kind of came from in in the back of my head but Well, and what you said about community and changing culturally, that's such a big theme in yours too. And I love that even though it wasn't necessarily something that was addressed specifically by the main character, it was addressed by kind of the ensemble because you've got a really rich ensemble there about this, the culture of the Asuna, where they've got this closed culture where you can't do certain things off world and you can't share off world and you can't be beyond what your cast limits you to, but then still striving for change and seeing how certain people within it and certain people within the political realm are kind of like pushing for change, but at a pace where they go, okay, we don't want to do full upheaval, but our children's generation will see things differently and, and how that works. And, and I love the inclusion of that because we have cultures still where it's like, okay, you can't do these things or these are not culturally acceptable for you, or these relationships aren't culturally acceptable. And you worked all that in beautifully because it was never like in your face, but it was definitely a, a thing where you, you couldn't miss it either. If that you struck that balance, if, if that makes sense. Thank you. Um, yeah, that was intentional. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad you, yeah. I, I, I mean, I very much, had something to say with this book, you know, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I don't want to be like preachy. Or, you know. No, it never, it never came across that way. And I think part of it was who, which characters you use to do that and which ways they do. And I, I love this scene and it, it's not a, a, for the plot. It's not the most pivotal scene, but for character, it was so huge where you have someone who's having an emotional breakdown because they don't want to go someplace alone. I'm like, that's me. Thank you for calling me out on the page. Oh my God. And she's like, but culturally I can't go somewhere alone. And then it's like, I, I'm, I've never gone someplace alone and I'm scared to do that. And I'm the kind of person, like, I know people who go to the movies alone. I'm like, I'm scared to do that. And it took me a long time to just be able to get to the point where I could sit in a restaurant alone. And I used to, I always hide behind a book, be like, I'm here, I'm eating. I'm an outcast because I haven't, I have nobody to eat with. I'm, I've, I've got a book though. So don't bother me. And it's very, very strange, but just that whole feeling of like going someplace without an escort or an attendant or just a friend to hold on to. And I'm just like, well, I think this is also the right beauty now. of in your book, Jess and or Jez, if you listen to the audiobook, um, he can sense what people are really trying to say and what they're really feeling. So that it's always such an amazing way to see every scene, what is happening, 
and then what our main character Jess is sussing or feeling from this it and and how much the ensemble is willing to actually say out loud because he is a great character and he's not going to call people out for no reason if somebody's just scared and he's like i i get that they're scared but that's i'm gonna help them Mm -hmm. but i'm not gonna call them out and be like oh she's scared she's scared to go someplace alone um so yeah (laughs) let's not do that he was a great character with that. So, um, do you like? I don't want to be like. Do you consider yourself empathic? Because that sounds like so <laughs> weird and dumb. But because like, I think we're all. He's like, no, I don't. No. Um, I'm kind of dense on that front, actually. I mean, so <laughs> to be like, honest, in the card of what your feelings are. Just the opposite. Yeah, he's like, I am yeah, writing. In reality, I am not as emotionally aware as. Mm-hmm. as that's the character is. That's and, fair. And, and well, I'm glad you, you balanced him <laughs> out. Well, and one of the things that happens kind of early in the book that I love, and I, I, I actually texted a friend. I'm like, I'm not very far in here yet, but I love this part because it was, it was um, glamorizing snuggling. And I loved it so much, but the idea of how not all human contact has to be necessarily sexual and can be intimate and close. And that, it's like in, especially in Western culture, everything's like you go from being a kid to you can't touch unless it's sexual. And it's so unhealthy in so many ways. And I've seen things before. It's like, you know, normalize platonic snuggling and stuff because we need that human contact. And I've read studies where it says girls go from like getting hugged by their dads and then they hit puberty and then dad's like, Oh, now I'm afraid to touch her. And, and then they just have this loss, but everybody feels that it's not just girls. Everybody has that need for human contact. And when you have an ACE character, there was all this beautiful stuff brought in about their consent. Like, is it okay if I touch you? Because not every touch is necessarily wanted, but I loved like, it's kind of early on, but that snuggling scene, I, I had to text her friend. I'm like, you're snuggling. My friend's like, ah, snuggling. <laughs> I like snuggling. shouted to my husband the words polyam, like asexual polyamorous. I was like, oh my gosh. And he was, was like, that that's, that's you. <laughs> and I was like, that's you. <laughs> sometimes it is. <laughs> sometimes that works. Sometimes, sometimes. But like, I just loved that um, everything was really just being explored and talked about in a very, non-judgy way Mm -hmm. and I love that like obviously this was written in a sadly a future where perhaps our earth has long been destroyed it doesn't look our earth gone yeah it doesn't I I, I was like waiting for the discussion I'm like he doesn't come from earth where does he come from where are we going to talk about earth at oh okay so this is the wall-e future (laughs) 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 like this is not this is not pretty but it was still hopeful. So I liked that because even though it's like, yeah, we might have destroyed our earth, which is what's happening now. Uh, but it didn't destroy humanity and the better parts of humanity. Hey, if we could get a pleasure moon with an amazing circus out of this. Don't tempt people, Jennifer. <laughs> you can't I know. Them, yes, I'm always the one who's like, let's moon. just do it. Build Mariner Valley on Mars. Like one thing at a time. We don't have FTL. Sorry, science, sci-fi nerd here goes, if we don't like, have FTL, how are we going to get there? <laughs> I know. Con might. I don't know. But the idea of going faster than light, to be able to get to these other moons and these other stars and these other places. So right now it's best that we try to do a good job of taking care of our planet while we're still stuck here. You know, just just a thought. 
Well, just um, the backstory for humanity. Um, so there's technically not FTL travel. There's these series of wormholes that are so they do wormhole travel. Okay, yeah, yeah. But um, but humans got were had left Earth in generation ships. Is, mm -hmm. is the backstory? It doesn't. This book didn't go into that very much. Can we get that book um, too? I would like well, that if, if I get the opportunity to write more books in this universe, because uh, there's room on both ends, honestly. Eventually, I mean, there I do have planned for the story of how humans got to be in this part of the universe and come to be part of the the Congress. The Congress, yeah, um, that is a story that I want to tell. Um, but it's a it's planned in a future book and. Whether I get to write it or not, I, I don't know. Yet. We all understand. And most of the people who are listening to this, watching it, Allison and I understand where, you know, we're all in this position where we're like, hopefully I'll get to write some more. Or hopefully somebody will read what I've written. Like, Sometimes I'm fine when I go, oh, we're not doing that one? Good, because I don't know what I was doing next anyway. Let's just move on. Move on. It's fine. It's all good. But what well, I also, I mean, like, I am focusing on writing other books now and try and you know we're and you know hopefully we'll sell another book i mean if i um if i'm lucky enough to continue and to actually build a career um and a readership i in the future i might pull a sanderson and just write these books and just put the like just do a kickstarter just, just be like hey you guys know who i am have a book yeah um, but so, but so we'll see. But for now, I'm concentrating on writing different things to sell. <laughs> what I was going to ask, I was, I was asking, what, what are you, what are you writing right now? And is it also science fantasy, or is it somewhere else in the speculative realm, or even beyond the speculative realm? Um, it is. Yeah, I just I'm in the beginning stages of a new book that um, it's it is set on Earth. But it is. I love that you said it's so set on Earth, but I can hear the ellipsis after that. Yeah. It is set on Earth. But there are fantastical elements in it. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's it's kind of like I, I haven't perfected my comps yet for this for this book, but right now, oh, is right there now, a such thing as actually perfecting your comps? No, I. Sometimes I, you can just nail it, but it, yeah. sometimes you do, and sometimes you have a book die on sub, and then you find the comp that should have been used like yeah. three years ago, and go, where where was this book then? And it existed. All right, too late now. Moving on. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm right now. I'm thinking of it as Tales of the City meets Cloud Atlas. Oh, very nice. Very nice. I don't Sorry. know Tales of the City, but I know Cloud oh, Atlas. And I know both, and meowsies. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, uh, so, yeah. Anyway, um, it, it is it is set in San Francisco in three different time periods. Um, uh, one of the time periods is a post climate catastrophe world. Okay. Um, so we should not be super excited about that, but mm, I'm very <laughs> excited about reading about that. I was going to yeah. say, we can be excited that Colin's writing it because he'll do a good job with it and he'll talk to his nuclear physicist. He probably has climatologists on staff too, right? You have these people on staff? <laughs> there, There's an amazing amount of people person. that you meet 
in the performance community because my book, Pretty Ugly, I had to talk to a biochemist a mm. lot to discover a virus, create a virus. And I met her through dance and burlesque. And yeah. she's like, I'm a biochemist. I used to be a supermodel. No, and like, it's funny because we recently oh. discussed Jennifer's book in an, in an indie book club and the biochemist in the group was like, yeah, the, the microbiologist was like, she nailed that. And someone else was like, darn, I was hoping she got that wrong. It was terrifying. I'm like, sorry, she's in her research. <laughs> sorry. I did months of talking about disgust, like disgusting ways mm-hmm. viruses actually can happen. But that's a bit, see, that's the good stuff. Cause when you find out, so when, when, and then when you're like, she, and she was like yeah. my friend from dancey stripper stuff. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Microbiology strippers. Those two things usually don't go together, but that's fine. But they can work at the, the pleasure club. I, I hear that they're hiring again. I can see putting yourself through school doing that. She, she was a model. Yeah. <laughs> gorgeous and gorgeous, fancy model. Um, and then she, a beautiful woman, super smart, came to like burlesque later in her life. But before that, she was like a model, model, putting herself through school. Yes. And sm- like smartest person I know where I'm like, here's a bunch of symptoms I have. Can we create a virus from this? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And this is how I got through a year of COVID going, let's create a virus. That is a weird hobby, Jennifer. You should have stuck to either spinning fire or contact juggling i was a, i'm a baton climate climatology either way either. <laughs> yeah. i'm a baton thriller was the so, baton on fire uh no i'm very petrified of fire but okay. i so like, nice perform with fire performers a lot but i try to because of my hair your hair your hair is flammable see con's fine because under there you don't have a whole lot of hair you can just like I can you not. just can you shave this down so this doesn't catch fire because this worries me I would. When I was doing it, I didn't have a beard. Okay, yeah. that's that's safer because I'm just worried about any kind of thing. But you at least well, see, Jen would also probably have product in her hair. You'd less likely to have product, product probably in your beard. Like a product wig. <laughs> oh, wigs are super flammable. Stay away from the fire. Bad idea. Bad idea. <laughs> Come on, thank you for putting up with us. We're ridiculous. <laughs> no, we're ridiculous. Um, we're really excited to read whatever you're working More on next. Stuff. You'll have to come back. Um, you are Allison's agent's agent brother. Yes, they're agent siblings. I'm agent cousin. We're all yeah. at the same agency, but mm-hmm. um, Allison and Khan have the same agent. I have a different agent. Paul Mounier. Whoop, whoop. But with the same agency. So all I the same agency. I think we can be agency siblings. Agency siblings. Agency siblings. That works. And you're agent siblings. And I'm just an agency, like I'm a step sibling. Because I'm like the, I'm over here with like my crime and horror. And people are like, oh. This kind of makes sense. It does. (laughs) Not in that context. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Makes all sorts of sense with that. (laughs) I get it now. (laughs) And I'm just throwing myself under the bus that if you need beta readers for destroying San Francisco over multiple timelines, I'm happy to read that because I like that. But uh, this is the best beta reader you could ever have in the world. That's good to know. That's good to know. I'm sorry for like all the people who are watching this who are like, what? Allison's the best beta reader ever. This is not an open call to just randomly send Allison things. No, No. I will just move it to spam. (laughs) 
But if you were invited, she delicious. is the best beta reader you could ever have. But Con, thank um, you so much for joining us. It was sure, amazing it was having you. Thank you so much. Um, we love the book. Everybody, please make sure to sec- check out The Circuit's Infinite. I, I don't have a copy of it sh- to show you because I listened to it. No, um, and if I just like showed you my Kindle, it would not be exciting. Uh, but please, yeah, show us your phone. I don't have a copy of it. I know. <laughs> None of us We're do. not... We're in costume, but we don't have our props. <laughs> we don't have the props. Yeah. Uh, stay tuned next week when we will have Christopher Golden, the New York Times bestselling author, and we will be talking about his latest book, All Hallows, which I am very excited about. I'm going to have nightmares all week, aren't I? Mm-hmm. Okay. No. I just had a beautiful week of circus. Do you now want to put me through the ringer? I, no, I actually, the, it's a lovely book that, again, it's more about family and one really terrible Halloween. And with that, <laughs> bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you.